several people have been asking me what I'm doing today. And I'm like, I'm preaching on my birthday. And uh, they're like, shouldn't you have a tea time this morning? And uh, I'm like, no, I'm doing what I'm called to do. And there's no better thing I could do for God who gave me this life (laughs) than to do today what I'm called to do. And so I'm honored to be able to preach on my birthday, to be able to do what I was born to do on the day I was born. It's pretty, pretty neat. I don't think my birthday falls on a Sunday too often. So this is pretty cool for me. So I'm thankful. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go to Psalm 139. And if you're here and this is the very first time you've ever been to Calvary Church, we just want to welcome you and thank you for visiting with us. It's awesome that you're here today. Can we make a little bit of noise for our visitors today? Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming out. We are actually in a series right now. We're talking about the call of God and uh, what it it really means to be called by God. To hear God say your name and to call you by name is such a special, special thing. And uh, I am so thankful that he calls us by name, that he knows us so well when he calls us out. He knows us by our name. He knows more about us than anybody could possibly know about us. He doesn't just know our good days, but he knows our bad days and he still calls us. I'm so thankful today that I have been called by God. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. How many people in the room today are thankful that you have been chosen by God? Come on, and if God has chosen you, it doesn't matter who rejects you, who doesn't choose you. You know, when you were younger and on the playground and they were picking teams, maybe you were picked first, maybe you were picked last, maybe you weren't picked at all. But none of that matters when the God who created you chooses you. Everybody else's choosing just doesn't even matter anymore. And so I'm so thankful for the God of heaven and the fact that he chooses me and he calls me. He calls me. Psalm 139 and 16. Or, yeah, Psalm 139, 16 says this. says, you saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, But even before I was born, God chose me and calls me by his marvelous grace. We read last week out of Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 where Jeremiah was hearing from God and God said to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And I want to talk to you today about what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it does to you when God calls you out. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to gather together. We love you. We're so grateful that you have loved us with such a deep love that it's indescribable. We can't even put enough words together to truly describe how deep, how wide, your love is for us. So thank you. Thank you for that. And we pray over these next few moments, you would speak clearly to us so that our lives would never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You know, in this life, there are voices that, um, that stand out. 
uh, voices for me that are so a part of my life that when I hear these voices, um, they don't have to announce their name. They don't have to tell me who they are. I could actually just hear their voice and know exactly who it is. Does, does anybody in the room have people like that in your life? Like their voice is so recognizable. You know it. You know it. There, there, there are people um, in the entertainment industry that have these kind of voices, voices throughout the years that you've heard, whether in movies and television or in music. And I think of like Barry White, right, is one of those voices. Like you know when a Barry White song comes on and he hits that first note before you even, it's, it's almost as if before he even talks, you know like he's getting ready to come on because that music that he has starts to play and then he starts to sing and then babies start to be made. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just how it works. And it's it's so interesting how these voices that that you've heard for much of your life are so familiar to you. And their familiarity to you comes from the fact that you've heard their voice over and over again. And so you recognize their voice. But the thing about God's voice that's so unique from all other voices is that you don't have to get familiar with his voice to be familiar with his voice. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, My sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Jesus almost seems to believe that before we learn his voice, we know his voice. It seems to line up with so much of Scripture because when Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 4 and he calls the disciples, the same story is told in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus comes and he calls the disciples, the Bible says that the disciples drop everything they're doing, they put their nets down, and they immediately follow Jesus. They have no real history with this man. They've not followed him before, and here he comes back around. They've never really even heard him do that much. In Luke chapter 5, it says that he, he used Peter's boat to, to preach from it. And he comes back into shore and he says, hey, follow me. And the Bible says they drop everything they have and they follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 says that they drop their nets and they immediately follow Jesus. Why in the world would grown people with jobs and families drop everything and follow this man his voice into the unknown. It's because it's familiar. They've heard it before. It's the same voice that they heard while he was knitting them together in the womb of their mother. It's why when you heard him call your name before you even had any sort of relationship with him, you said yes because It's truly the most familiar voice to you, more familiar than your mom, more familiar than your dad, than your aunts and uncles, more familiar than Barry White is the voice of God, the voice that was there knitting you together in the womb of your mother. And that's why when you hear his voice, you aren't satisfied with the status quo any longer. That's why when you hear his voice, something is awakened in you and And you refuse to settle for anything less than what his voice has revealed to you. The Bible says it like this in John chapter 6 verse 68. People were following Jesus and some of them were just following Jesus because he could make bread. 
Some people were just following Jesus because he could do miracles. But Jesus started to make it really difficult for him to be followed. He started saying strange stuff like, if you're going to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people were tripping and they were like, no, thank you. And they were walking away from Jesus. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, are you guys going to walk away too? And I love what Peter says. Peter says something that opens up this idea to us. Peter says, where else are we going to go? Only you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter was saying, you have exposed us to eternity, and we are ruined for anything else but the eternal words of Jesus Christ. And even if we try to go back, it's not going to be what it was before because now we have seen eternity. Nothing else will satisfy us. I wonder if anybody in the room has been opened up to see eternity and nothing else will satisfy you. And some of you, you've tried to go back, but you're here. (laughs) You ran back to all of that stuff. You ran back to the bottle. You ran back to those relationships. You ran back to those substances and you found out they don't feel like they felt before. They don't satisfy like they satisfied before. They don't do what they did before because I have now been exposed to eternity in my heart and my desire and everything within me longs to see what I've been exposed to. When God exposes you to something, he does it not so that he can play keep away with you, but he exposes it to you to develop, to, to open up, I guess you would say, to some sort of appetite within you that now desires what you didn't even know you wanted before. And this is what the disciples were were saying. This is why when they heard his voice, they said, whatever I'm doing, whatever I've got my life connected to, whatever I have planned, I'm putting it all down to follow after Jesus. Man. Does anybody else in the room feel like that? When he called me, I, I heard something I, I've been wanting to hear my whole life. When he showed me who I really was, I, I saw something I've been wanting to see my entire life. So, so his voice makes you give up what you can see for what you can't see. This is how powerful his voice is. Makes you give up what you can see for what you can't see. Makes you give up the life you thought you wanted for the one you were created for. This is what his voice does. And so I just came to announce to you today that if you were thinking about going back, it won't be what you think it will be. It won't satisfy like you think it will. And it's definitely not eternity. You've seen too much. You've heard too much. You've witnessed too much. Jeremiah said it like this. I want to shut up about you because it keeps getting me in trouble. But he said it's like a fire shut up in my bones that I couldn't keep quiet about you even if I tried to. And what you see in Scripture is you see the same disciples that Jesus called and they left everything. The Bible says they dropped their nets. They left everything to follow him. You see them go back and you see what happens when they go back. 
Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And somewhere around this time, the Bible says Peter, frustrated with how things are going, because let me tell you something, sometimes following Jesus is unfamiliar. Sometimes following Jesus is is unclear to your own natural senses and eyes. And sometimes following Jesus is difficult. And the temptation will be to go back to what you're comfortable with, to go back to what you know and who you know. And so they did it, just like all of us. We've ran back a time or two, or 12. And, and they go back, and Peter, Peter announces to the disciples, he says, guys, listen, I'm, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do what I used to do. I'm going fishing. Going fishing. So the disciples said, let's go fishing, man. They go out, and they go fishing, and they fish all night. The Bible says they haven't caught a thing. They're doing what they know how to do, but what they know how to do isn't even working. Why? Because God will, fa- God will make you fail at what you know how to do to push you into what you were created to do. And some of you are so mad right now because you know how to do it and it's still not working. Some of you are like, I know how to do this, and it won't work. And that's because God is calling you to something different. And Peter, fishing all night, catches nothing. Jesus, resurrected Jesus, shows up, and he says to these, these guys who have walked away from him, who have deserted him, Jesus says, Dear children, now listen, I don't call someone my child unless they're my child. I got problems enough just with the four I got. I don't, I don't need anybody else's. I don't, need, I don't need that in my life. This is the thing that I love about God is that even when we find ourselves not committed to him, he's still committed to us. Even when we don't feel like his kids, he still comes and calls us dear children. I don't know what you've done that makes you feel like you haven't done the right thing. But I want you to hear God's voice coming in this room today and saying to you, dear children. Dear children. And then Jesus says, have you any fish? Man, he's so sarcastic. <laughs> he knows they don't have any fish. Why does Jesus ask the question? Because Jesus asked this question because he's trying to reveal something to them and to us. Because the Bible tells us, it gives us insight into the fact that Jesus is already preparing fish on the beach and he's asking them do you do you have what I already have do you see that because when you go back to what you used to do Jesus is is saying hey hey my children I already have prepared the thing that you are desperately looking for The thing you find impossible to catch, the thing you find impossible to do, the thing you find impossible to overcome, I've already overcome it. 
I've already caught it. And not only have I already caught it, but I've got it cooking over here ready for you when you are willing and ready to leave what you have known into what you do not know. And John says to Peter, he says, Peter, I think it's the Lord. Peter doesn't even wait for all the fish to be caught because Jesus gives them an instruction, a small instruction. He tells them to take their net from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat. That tells me that there are just, I'm small adjustments away from my life experiencing overflow. I don't need to make a lot of big changes. I just need to make a few small changes. Sometimes it's a difference between going left and going right. He said, put the net on the right side of the boat. Sometimes it's a matter of just doing the right thing today. Not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about my past, but just doing the right thing today. I'm not going to steal today. I'm not going to lie today. I'm not going to cheat today. And it's a matter of doing those small things and seeing the overflow come in my life. And so the Bible says that Peter, when he finds out that it's the Lord, he jumps out of the boat. He's not worried about the fish. He's not worried about the disciples. He's not worried about drowning. He jumps out of the boat and swims until he gets to Jesus. Why? Even though they're experiencing success, He walks away from it. Now Peter has walked away from his two most successful days as a fisherman to follow Jesus. You haven't truly walked away from Jesus or walked towards Jesus until you have walked away from personal success. They left everything on the biggest day of their entire business. To follow Jesus. Some of us will follow Jesus, but we don't have anything left. But Jesus wants us to know, you really truly haven't decided to follow me until you follow me away from your own idea of success. So his voice calls. They all come in. They're talking. And Jesus kind of reinstates Peter into his place in ministry. And this guy who who was a total flop of a leader becomes the voice that declares the name of Jesus on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people come to know Christ. Why? Because when Jesus met him, he said, I see who you are. I don't see who your parents named you, but I see who I have called you to be. Because watch this, your parents, even though they know a lot about you, they can still name you wrong. And his parents had named him wrong. Jesus comes along, and let me give you a different name. Your parents named you a reed. That means you're easily broken. And Peter, before he, was, before he met Jesus, this man had a temper. He was easily broken. He was easily swayed. He was the first one to come in and say, I'm all in. And he was the first one to bounce when it got, when it got rough. And Jesus chose this person to start the entire movement of the church we now know in the world today. See, because God, again, the unknown self, remember, we talked about it last week, God sees in us what we can't and nobody else sees 
in us. And God used the man that everybody else would have said, no way, no how, couldn't be used, couldn't do it through him. And he said, I want to show you what I can do when I speak to the potential in somebody and eternity is opened up in their heart and who they were always meant to be comes walking out. That's what God has designed for you. He's got this moment where everybody looks and they say, what is, how in the, they might use some bad words to understand it, but I can't believe, what? Yeah. Yeah, that's how God, that's how God works. He calls to what is unknown about us, unknown to us, but known to him. And, and for me, for me, this is forever impacted how I see myself when it comes to the plan of God. That if God is so detailed in how he prepares for us, think about it. He told his disciples when he left the earth, he said, I'm leaving now because I got a job to do. I'm leaving now to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. Can you see God in heaven Building your home, building your eternal home, setting the parameters for your house, sitting with, with, with drawings in his hands as he looks around and he says, this one's going to need two stories and they're going to need some plants out here. And this guy really likes basketball. You're going to have to put a basketball goal in this, in this driveway. It's going to be flat. It can't be, can't be up a hill because you can't play basketball up a hill. So I need to put him in this cul-de-sac right here in this corner of heaven. I've, I've, I've gone to prepare a place for this is how valuable you are to God. For anyone to sit in this room and to think you are not valuable, that you don't matter to the plan of God, that even someone like me or someone who, who has a voice like a Billy Graham is more valuable to the plan of God than you are. You are sadly mistaken and you are missing out on what God has specifically called you to do. My God, there's value in your life. He's in heaven right now working a plan for you interceding on behalf of you. He's talking to God about you right now. This is how valuable you are. This is how much you matter to the plan of God. Nothing about you is inconsequential. Nothing about you is unimportant. Not even the crazy stuff that you walk through. God's not even going to waste your bad years. God's not even going to waste your rebellion. God's not even going to waste those nights in drunkenness and in sin. God's not going to waste any of it. He saw it all and he still called. <laughs> Man, he's so incredible. Matthew chapter 4, they, they dropped their nets. And Luke 5 says, they left everything. So what am, I, what am I trying to get us to today? I'm trying to get us to two ideas that are going to release us to fully follow Jesus. Because following is our responsibility. It's on me. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, follow me. That's all he asked. Follow me. And then he looks at them and he says, and I'll make you fishers of men. I love this because it means that God takes on the responsibility to make us into who he has called us to be. My job is to follow him. His job is to make me. 
My job is to follow him. His job is to make me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Sometimes in my walk with God, I've tried to make myself into the thing that I thought he wanted me to be. I've tried to make myself into the thing that I thought other people wanted me to be. And I missed out on the joy of my life. The joy of my life is to to follow him. To follow him when I can see him. To follow him when it's not so clear. To follow him when I'm good. To follow him when I'm bad. To follow him closely. To sometimes follow him at a distance. Whatever I'm doing, I'm just called to follow. To follow him when I'm walking. To follow him when I'm crawling. To follow him when I'm on my feet. To follow him when I'm on my knees. I'm just called to follow. He takes the responsibility on himself to make me. I don't know how many people put the pressure on yourself to make yourself. But you could take that off of yourself today because when God says, I'll make you, this is important. Because whatever God decides to start, he will finish. He doesn't leave anything incomplete. And so I want to tell you today, when he called your name, it was, you said, I'll follow. He said, I'll make. And do you know, even when you're not committed to follow, he's still committing to making you. Because Philippians tells me that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to its completion. And even if he's got to drag you kicking and screaming, you're going to make it. I, got, I just came to tell somebody today, maybe you don't feel like walking, maybe you don't feel like following, but even if you don't feel like it, he is determined to bring you to the place that he has called you to be. He refuses to lose in that way to the enemy. That's mine. It belongs to me. I'll make it. I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. I'll make you. You don't want to? I'll make you. don't test him don't test him because he will he'll do whatever he has to get the glory out of your life you'll be Samson you'll be in rebellion most of your life you'll be running around with crazy women you'll get your eyes plucked out and your hair pulled out and you'll be at the end of your life begging for God to do something he'll say watch this watch what I'll do with a blind powerless man at the end of his life He sets him up in between a couple of pillars. And the Bible says the strength entered his body again. And when that strength came into his body, he pressed those pillars apart. And that entire city came down on God's enemies. I just want you to know that he will make you. He'll make you. So you can go blind and hairless. Or you can come with your eyeballs and your hair. Some of you, it's too late for that. You're just going to have to go without the hair and as you get older the eyeballs start going too I'm just telling you he'll make you how faithful is the God that we serve that he doesn't demand our perfection to use us he just says, will you, t- will you just tell me that, will you just, I-, I know it was when you were five years old and, and, and you, were, you, were, you, were in a, you were in a Sunday school room, but you told me, you said, I'll follow you, Jesus. And when you said, I'll follow you, I made it my, 
I made it my business to make you. So when you're 17 and you're rebelling and you're acting like a fool, I'll still be trying to make you. When you're 35 and you're running from me, I'll still be trying to make you. When you're 50 and you're still acting like a fool and you're still living in your mama's basement, I'll still be trying to make you. I have committed myself to you. And whatever God commits himself to, whatever God makes covenant with, God is not a covenant breaker. He is a covenant keeper. And even though we've broken our covenant, he still keeps his man this should be enough reason for you to just like my dad said just take your hat take it off throw it over a windmill and shout hallelujah because he is committed to you and I don't care what any religious people say you know God he just can only put up with so much and he'll just let you go he'll, he will not give up on you he cannot deny his own, the Bible says. You come in out of the club looking ratchet and <laughs> tripping and falling all over yourself and get arrested, drunk, and have to go to jail. He'll walk right up in that jail cell and be like, that's mine. <laughs> she belongs, he belongs to me. I'm telling you, so you better keep your mouth off people. You don't know who you're mocking right now, whose life you're making fun of, who you're looking at and saying there's no hope that God's put his name on. And if God's put his name on them, they might not look like what they should look like right now, but it doesn't matter. He'll make them. He will make them. Jesus, help us. So you get ruined for anything else. I, I got to give you these two things because I got I to gotta let you go. So following Jesus, for me, it's my responsibility. Following him. To really follow him, I've got to drop my agenda. Just like the disciples dropped their nets, there's something that I've got to drop. If they didn't drop their nets, he would have kept calling. And eventually they would have dropped their nets. Because you can't resist God. If you belong to him, you can't resist him. You'll be like that wayward son in Luke chapter 15 that wanted his inheritance before it was time, thought he knew better than the father. So he ran out and he lived a sinful life and he did all the stuff he wanted to do and he got all the stuff he wanted to get. And then the next thing you know, he's lost all of his money. He's found himself on his face in a pig pen, wanted to eat pig's food. And then the Bible says, all of a sudden he came to himself and he said, I'd rather be a slave in my dad's house than be in this condition. At some point, everybody who's called by their name, everybody whose name belongs to God, every person who belongs to the Lord, every time, every, they'll, if it's on their deathbed, If it's, I'm telling you, if it's on their deathbed, and it doesn't matter, there was a thief on the cross. One of them had been called by name. The other one sitting there, look at this guy, all beat up, all messed up. He can't be the son of God. The other guy looking at him saying, please, whatever you do, don't leave me here. He'd been called by name. He didn't meet him until the last day of his life, but he met him. 
I don't care who in your family has walked away. I don't care how far they've walked away. I don't care how deep the dirt is that they are in. At some point in their life, if they belong to him, boom. Because you belong to him. He can't deny you. You show up to heaven for judgment. He's like, yeah, I know that one's mine too. God. <laughs> That's so good, man. Oh, so I dropped my agenda. Matthew 16, 24 through 25 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Can I tell you this? Sometimes following Jesus feels a lot like losing. That went over like a ton of bricks. It does. Jesus said the challenge for you is going to be in this life. You're going to want to save your life. So following me is going to be very, very difficult for you. Since following me is going to be difficult for you, I'll take the responsibility of making you. If you want to follow me, this life, you want to really find life here, you're going to have to lose it here. Because in the kingdom, losing is winning. It doesn't make sense. That's because the kingdom doesn't make sense to the natural, the carnal mind. Because it feels like losing to love your enemies. It feels like losing to not respond to the haters on social media. It feels like losing not to pay somebody back for the evil that they've done to you. It feels like losing to bless those who curse you. That feels like losing. And if there's anything we as Americans don't like, because we're a back-to-back World War champions, we don't like losing. This is the home of the bald eagle. And that flag, and those Marines and the Navy, and we don't, we don't like losing. So it's hard for us to To understand when somebody accuses me, I don't accuse back. When somebody throws verbal bombs at me, I don't bomb them back. This isn't nations warring and protecting borders. This is kingdom that we're talking about. America's got to do what America's got to do. And I'm thankful that I'm safe in this room right now. But because America responds with a bomb for a bomb doesn't mean that you respond personally with a bomb for a bomb. Ooh, man. Sometimes the toughest thing to root out of people who are in a democracy is democracy. Because when it comes to serving Jesus, you're not in a democracy. He's not elected. This is a, this is a theocracy, he, like he's king, he's Lord, and he tells you what to do. <laughs> Man, this is, really, this is really hitting home in second service today, because it's quiet, and I know when it's quiet, 
People are like, oh, wow, you stop talking about me, bro. You can, you can back off now. Like you crossed the line. You're in my living room listening to me and my wife talking. I'm like, I don't have recording devices in your homes. I'm not creepy like that. The Old Testament says something. It says that the Bible says that there was a man named Jacob and he fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, there was a ladder and messengers The Bible says angels were coming up and down this ladder, delivering information into the earth. That's what happens on a Sunday. You come into a place that's the house of God, messengers deliver. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going on at so-and-so's house, but I'm going to deliver you a message, and I need you to get this message across because I need so-and-so to hear it. So it's going to feel like it's dropped down in your living room. (laughs) oh man had to feel like losing right the disciples watching Jesus die on a cross had to feel like losing hiding in their homes for their safety because they were afraid of losing their own life Here's, here's why you have to let this happen because in this life when you lose what you thought you wanted you gain what you were created for. When you look, I thought I wanted a perfect family. I thought I wanted a perfect wife. I thought I wanted perfect kids. But I didn't get that. I didn't. My wife will tell you, I wanted a perfect husband, but I didn't get one. She got me. Some of you, I thought I wanted, I thought I wanted to be married once. I, I thought I wanted to be married twice and was enough. And I, I thought I wanted that job. I, I thought I wanted that life. And I, th- I thought, I, and it turns out the thing that you thought you wanted is not really necessarily the thing that you were created for. thought I wanted a perfect family, but no, I'll take my messed up broken one over a perfect one. You can keep that one. I thought I always wanted to laugh, but it's not what I got. I got a lot of tears. I thought I wanted to be the person who doesn't battle anxiety, but that's not what I got. I'm the guy who does. But what I thought I wanted is not what I was created for. Because I think every week, one of the the main reasons that this thing even works, it's not because I've I've got a degree on my wall, I do, but none of y'all see it. I think they actually gave it to me because they felt bad for me. (laughs) It's not because I look like I'm a, preacher. I look probably like the furthest thing from the preachers you knew growing up. It's because like Pastor Fred Hudgens gave me a message today. He said, Pastor Robbie, he said, he said, the reason people are coming is because what you're saying makes sense. And I don't think I could preach the way I preach unless I was hurting like you. I just don't. I just don't. And so you, you think, 
I want this. I want, I want. No, you don't. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to give up on the life you thought you wanted and embrace the life that you were created for. Will you stand on your feet with me today? Maybe as a way of saying, God, I want what you created me for. You could throw your hands up into heaven and just say, God, I, I'm giving up on what I thought I wanted and I'm embracing what's eternal. I thought I wanted to fish, but you've, you've shown me that I'm called to fish for men. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't always mean that you'll call me out of my job into some sort of ministry role. That's not what God does for everyone. Most of us will get up tomorrow morning and go to work. Not in ministry, not traveling the world, not in missions, not... But that doesn't mean for one moment that what we do doesn't bring glory to God. Listen to me. Of the 40 miracles that were done in the book of Acts, 39 of them were done in the marketplace. On the job. So when I talk about calling, don't, don't have these grand pictures of you in front of a lot of people or you doing something or you helping someone in another country. No, 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 no. That's not for everyone. That might be for some of you, but that's not for everyone in this room. Some of you, that's to wake up tomorrow morning and put your boots on. It's to wake up tomorrow morning and put your shirt on and put your name tag on and step up to that cashier counter. And stand there and say, I'm doing this for the glory of God. And sometimes God won't let you leave a place because you're the only representation of him in that place. There are hundreds of people that have been in this room today that don't like their jobs. Remember, God never called you to comfort, but he called you to joy. Joy. Where is joy found? Not in my work. Joy is found in his presence. So no wonder I feel like I don't fit in this world because I was created for another one. I was created to represent another one. I'm an ambassador for a reason. This isn't my home anyway. I wasn't ever supposed to fit here. I wasn't ever supposed to fit in here. I was created to fit with him. So no matter where I work, no matter what I do, I'm there to reveal him. To the earth. I'm, I'm at Walmart to reveal Jesus. I, I'm an electrician to reveal Jesus. I, I'm a mechanic to reveal Jesus. I'm a lawyer to reveal Jesus. I'm, I'm a nurse to reveal Jesus. And even if that's just being a person of integrity, even if that's just not stealing from the cash register, even if that's just a smile on my face, even if it's just a God loves you, even if it's just a hug, even if it's just, it's just a glance, even if it's just... A pat on the, whatever he has called me to do, I do it for his glory, for his name, and for his fame. Even when I don't like the place that he's called me to, I'm there for his glory. I'm in the marketplace for his glory. I work this job for his glory. 
I put this name tag on for his glory. I put that badge around my neck for his glory. I put that officer's uniform on for his glory. I put fires out for his glory. I, I, I save lives for his glory. I help people in my community for his glory. I stand against racism for his glory. Whatever I do, wherever I do it, however I do it, I do it not for my own glory. I do it for his glory. For his name, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So God, thank you. Help us to drop our agendas. Help us to drop our definition of success. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Listen to me. I want to tell you something. As a Christian, there will never feel like there until you get there. I need you to hear that because some of you in the room think today that if I could just get here, if I could just have this, if I could just have this much income, if I could just have this job, if I could just have this much success, I'd be there. And let me tell you something. When you get there, there is not there because you weren't created for there. You were created for there. And there will never feel like there until you get there. That's why in this life, Jesus said people were wanting to follow him in Luke chapter 9. He says to this man in Luke 9, he says, listen, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the son of man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. So if you're following me for the comforts of this life, you're following me for the wrong reasons. But if you're following me for the rewards of eternity, then you will never, never, never be unsatisfied. satisfied because my joy is in him I mean you're looking at somebody who should probably be on on a lot of medication should pro- or, or someone who if, if not on medication someone who should be addicted to some sort of substance because of the level of depression and anxiety that, that I deal with but I haven't and I'm not saying that to brag because I know there are people in this room that are, that are dealing with that but I, I want to tell you where, my, where, my, where the difference is I found my joy not in the things that I do. I found my joy not in the things of this life. Listen, I've walked, I've, I've had so little, I couldn't even buy my, Monica came home one day from work and she said, hey, let's go get the kids ice cream. And I said, babe, we don't, even, we don't have it. So we went through our couches looking for coins and we got enough to buy one large ice cream cone and we all split it. So I've had, Little, and I've had enough money to go in any car dealership and buy whatever car I want. I've had enough money to go get a whatever house I want, live in whatever neighborhood I want. I'm telling you, my greatest joy has not been any of it. Because there isn't there until I get there. It's just not. So my ultimate joy, the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. You will never experience full joy until you're fully with him. There's levels of it in this life. There's joy that you feel in this life. But it will never feel like there until you get there. So don't put any confidence in this world. You need it. You need it. You need a joy that the world didn't give you so the world can't take it away. So you can take my money. You can take my stuff. You can take all the things. But you didn't give me the joy that I got anyway. Anyway. 
So take all of that, but you cannot steal something from me that you didn't give me in the first place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, man, joy, unspeakable, full of glory in his presence. Well, Father, we thank you for your word today. I'm asking if there's anyone in this room today with with everyone praying right now and every head bowed, every eye closed in the room. If there's anyone in this room today who would say, man, I, I need to I need to make a decision to follow Jesus today. I feel trapped in my sin or I feel away from God and I want, to, I want to come back home today. Or maybe you're saying, I want to come home for the first time. I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want that thing, that banner over that says, welcome home. I want to feel that in my soul today. If that's you, I want you to just throw your hand up in the air after I count to three. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to believe that in this moment, God's going to supernaturally change your life forever. So one, two, three. Throw that hand up in the air. You say, I need to follow Jesus today. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? We'll wait just a second for anybody else. See you, sir. Anybody else? Come on, Calvary. Let's pray this prayer together. I know it's 12.03.4, but let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I give my life to you. Take it all. Have your way. Use before your glory. Thank you for loving me. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Well, listen, today, if you prayed that prayer, you made that decision, we'd love to connect with you. You could text the word decision to 423-443-4339, or you can come meet someone. We'll have altar workers standing up here, and someone would love to meet you. Or you can go into the hub on your way out and say, that was me. I made a decision today. We'd love to connect with you before you go. God bless you. Thank you so much for being at Calvary. Have a good day.